Sean Des Moines on 1350 ESPN. Hey, well, that was in stereo. That's a cool way to get us rolling. I'm Mike Wicked here on 1350 ESPN. It is a very busy day. Uh, we've got Cubs baseball coming up. That'll be coming your way at 1245 here on 1350 ESPN. The Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, coming up, we'll get to the news of the spelling bee that happened not too long ago. It was super fun last night. It was not very much fun if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan watching the NBA Finals. But joining me right now on the line, he is... I have to tell you right now, if you have been... I, I feel like I've been following Phil around for a long time because I've been at several radio stations in different parts of the country, and whenever we get to college football season, or at least to July, it's like, you got to get Phil Steele on. you got to get Phil Steele on. And joining me right now, he is, I'm going to say it, he's the godfather of preseason magazines from Phil Steele's College Football Preview Magazine. We welcome in Phil Steele. Phil, th thank you so much for coming on, man. I feel like I've been talking to you yearly for about 20 years. <laughs> and I appreciate that, Mike. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you got to love college football. And you got to love this year college football, don't you? Because last year at this time we were wondering if we were playing. Now we're going to be playing to have full crowds. But, uh I appreciate that, Mike. The uh, the two big dogs here in the state of Iowa have, I mean, we've got an unprecedented amount of hype for one of the two schools. I'll get to the, uh, the Hawkeyes here in a second. But when we're looking at Iowa State, with everything they have coming back, you've got them in the top ten. People are talking about them as an underdog, you know, an outside chance to get to the, the college football playoff, playoff. Phil, what do you make of the Cyclones with everything they have coming back on offense? Yeah, legitimate national title contender. And, and i got to be honest with you, when Matt Campbell took over uh, in 2016, uh, did I think there was ever a chance Iowa State would be here six years later? No, I did not. Uh, he's done a remarkable job building this team. Uh, and, you know, let's look at this year's team. Last year they had an inexperienced offensive line that really Campbell's always done well with inexperienced offensive lines. At the end of the year, they were a semifinalist for the Joe Moore Award, which I'm on the committee for. This year, they've got the entire offensive line back. And Coach Campbell told me it's the deepest offensive line unit that he's had since he's been here and has a chance to be special. Well, let's take that and pair it with a veteran quarterback in Brock Purdy, perhaps the best running back in the country in Brees Hall, the best tight end room in the country with Chase Allen and Charlie Kolar, an outstanding wide receiver in Xavier Hutchins, and a Matt Campbell defense, which is led by linebacker Mike Rose and my number two linebacking core of the country. Yeah, you got a legitimate national title contender. Now, can they go into Norman and knock off Oklahoma on November 20th? That's probably the biggest question on the schedule because they'll be favored in all the rest of their games this year. Let's talk about Brock Purdy. And he his, his biggest struggle last year, from, from my vantage point, was just consistency. Do you think he takes that next step? Are we talking about a guy who could compete for some major awards and has the opportunity to play his way into maybe the Big 12 Player of the Year? Yeah, he's had a couple of games in his career with a, a bunch of interceptions and that have really cost him at times. But uh, Coach Campbell is very high on him. Feels he'll be one of the top quarterbacks in the country. And so his last five games last year were the best he played. And uh, he says every time he walks on the field with that guy as your quarterback, he feels like he's going to have an opportunity to win the game. So I do think this is the year he gets the consistency that we want that we want to see out of him, especially with the supporting cast that he has, and uh, has his best year yet. I think the guys he's throwing the football to, especially Xavier Hutchinson, you mentioned the tight end room. I mean, it's all there for Purdy to succeed. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and when you're protected by one of the best offensive lines in the country and defenses know that they have to stop Brees Hall. I mean, because if Brees Hall runs for 200 yards on you, you're not going to win the game. So your first goal is stop Brees Hall. Second goal would be to stop the pass game, and that really opens it up for Brock Birdie. When you look at Matt Campbell, Phil, uh, you know, all, all the rumors coming out of this season off of last year, the success, three-time Big 12 Coach of the Year, were you surprised that – I mean, he got a look with the Jets. He got all these rumors flying around. Are you surprised that he's still in Ames? Uh, you wonder about guys like him and, and Luke Fickle at Cincinnati while, while they're still there. But those guys love the spots they're in. And, they, you know, where's Matt Campbell? Matt Campbell has turned Iowa State into a national title, national title contender. Uh, you know, he can do that in Iowa State. You could do that anywhere else, but uh, if you can do it at Iowa State, why not stay at Iowa State? He's having great success there. Uh, they're just two guys that like where they are. Talking to Phil Steele, the uh, the best college football preview magazine each and every year. It's Phil Steele's College Football Magazine. And you can uh, check it out online, get more info, philsteele.com. Where do you see Iowa State tripping up, if at all, before the big one with the Sooners? Well, it seems like every year they lose one of those games, doesn't it? Especially early on. So I think the best opportunity uh, for them to trip up somewhere would be the Iowa game, week two, because... You know, Iowa's a team that's had a, a stranglehold on this one. I believe they've won uh, each of the games against Iowa State since Matt Campbell's taken over. So it's, uh, it's a game that Matt Campbell's got to get over the hump, got to beat Iowa in that game. And uh, they'll be favored, but that would be the one game I'd be concerned with. You've got them at preseason number eight. Let's head to Iowa City and talk about those Hawkeyes. They started out 0-2 last year and then ran off six straight. Uh, the Big Ten was super weird, obviously, getting into the game late as opposed to the other conferences that were playing a little bit early. What did you see from Iowa last year? Maybe not in those first couple of games, but the back six that really got you excited this year. Well, even in the first couple of games, they were basically two plays away from being 2-0. and I mean, it was a, a four-point loss to Purdue, a game they could easily have won. A one-point loss to Northwestern. I think they led that 20 to nothing mm-hmm. and ended up losing it uh, 21-20. So they were basically two plays away from being a 2-0 and team. Coach Ferentz kept the team focused, and then they just flat-out dominated. They pretty much rolled through everybody else on their schedule. Uh, the Nebraska game was the only one that was even a little bit close. And I feel bad for Coach Ferentz and the fact that they didn't get to play Michigan or Missouri because I think they would have clubbed both Michigan <laughs> and Missouri last year. They would have finished 8-2 and two and probably been a top-10 team at the end of the year. So I, I love the job he did holding that team together after a couple of close losses. Now, they don't have your sexy, flashy quarterback, but Spencer Petras is a guy who's 6'5", 231 pounds. He looks like a quarterback. And while the stats aren't amazing, they don't need to be when you're at Iowa. You need to have the run game. You need to have the defense. You need to have the special teams. Typical Coach Ferentz things, and he's got all that. I do think Petrus is going to be a good good enough quarterback to get the job done. And uh, I was a contender in the West. I think Wisconsin's got the best schedule. They actually get to host that big game against Iowa. Iowa also has to face the defending West champ on the road, Northwestern. They have to play Iowa State on the road. But none of those games do I make them a large underdog. And as Coach Ferentz has proved his entire coaching career, they can beat anybody on any day. Talking to uh, Phil Steele. Phil Steele's College Football Preview Magazine is on newsstands now. It's all over my Twitter. Everybody has these pictures holding their magazine, (laughs) Phil, because it's like, it arrives and you start thinking about football here in the middle of July. And we're talking about Iowa and Iowa State here on 1350 ESPN. Speaking of, uh, you know, typical Iowa teams, 
Iowa runs the ball. Always have, always will. What do you make of Tyler Goodson? Yeah, I, I think Goodson is a, a guy that's very explosive. He's versatile. Uh, and he worked on his pass pro this spring. So I, I think, you know, the one underrated part of running backs and maybe a part that keeps him off the field sometimes and folks are like, why is he in the game? Is the pass pro. I think he's going to be better at pass pro. He brings the big play potential. And he's, he's got good size, you know, at 5'10", 200 pounds. So overall, I believe he's a complete back. They've got depth, too, in running back. Uh, Ivory Kelly Martin coming off an ACL. Didn't play in the spring, but uh, he's good in both the pass and the run game. And then Gavin Williams, the true freshman, uh, was in for the spring and did a really nice job. So I, I think overall they've got good depth. But uh, Goodson should be one of the best running backs in the Big Ten this year. Defensively. Where does this Iowa team stack up as compared to previous Iowa teams? Uh, as always, they're solid. I rate them the number 11 defense in the country. I've got the uh, defensive line rated in my top units. I have the linebacker unit, number 21 in the country, led by Jack Campbell, Dane Belton, Seth Benson. And then you look at the secondary. I've got them rated number 9 in the country this year. I think all four guys in the secondary, all four starters, Riley Moss, Matt Hankins, uh, KV on Merriweather, Jack Corner. Those are all guys that we're probably going to see on NFL rosters somewhere down the line. So that's a loaded secondary that they have. And then we didn't even touch on the special teams. That's probably your next question. I rate their special teams number four in the country this year. I was just going to say that's the, the third part where last year they were special, but this year they're a really special, 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 <laughs> special, special teams unit, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. And you know, my big question mark, uh, Mike, was. Uh, kicker. I mean, when you replace a guy like Keith Duncan, who was the top kicker in the country two years ago, loved that game-winning field goal he nailed against Nebraska. That was a, a, just an amazing kick, considering the weather and everything. Uh, hit 14-18 field goals, so I'm like, Coach Ferentz, I'm a little concerned about kicker. He says, well, don't be, because Caleb Shudek was our kickoff guy last year, but it was actually a coin flip between him and Duncan, and I was just like, wow, a coin flip? Seriously? So that tells you the confidence he's got in Caleb Shudek, a kicker. Torrey Taylor is an outstanding punter, 42.8 net. This is a guy that booms those 50-yard punts, but he's got good placement. 18 punts inside the 20, only one touchback last year. They've got the return game with Charlie Jones' punt returner is very solid. They always develop a top-notch kick returner. So they have my number four rated special teams in the country. Looking at the Iowa schedule with you, Phil, it looks like the non-conference. Traditionally, it should be flipped, where you would have Kent State and Colorado State, Iowa State, and then your opener with Indiana. Who made this schedule where they open with <laughs> maybe the best Indiana team in decades? <laughs> Yeah, it, it is the best Indiana team in decades. Tom Allen doing a great job there, and uh, they're going to come into that game. Indiana's problem, uh, I think they've been a good team for the last three years, but in uh, 2019 and 2018, they would take the big boys right to the edge and then come up just short. Last year, they just kicked that door down and started beating the big boys on a weekly basis. So that makes them extremely dangerous because they're a team that comes in with a great deal of confidence. They've got their quarterback back and Michael Penix, who's a dangerous runner and passer, loaded in the backfield, good receiving core. That's a very good Indiana team. I do have Iowa a slight favorite in that game, though. They get it home, and I think the Hawkeyes do start the season 1-0. You know, the Big Ten and the Big 12 are kind of similar. where They have the big dog where it's Oklahoma in the Big 12, and in the Big Ten, you know, regardless of losing their quarterback fields to the NFL, it's, it's all about Ohio State. Who are those next teams in the conferences in the Big 12 or the Big 10 that you can see challenging 
Oklahoma or Ohio State. Is it is it Iowa State and then I don't know where we go in the Big 12? And who do you like in the Big 10? Yeah, let's just start with the Big 12 because we talked about them. It's Oklahoma, definitely one, and Iowa State's right there with them. I think Iowa State gives them everything they want. They gave them a, a great game in both games last year and, and beat them in the uh, regular season. The only other team I might throw in the mix there in the Big 12 would be Texas, and for this reason. When I talked to Coach Sarkeesian, was going over the team with him, sometimes a first-year head coach is a little concerned about the talent he inherited. He likes the talent he inherited. And one thing I was pointing out in the radio circuit last year towards the end of the year was, you know, Tom Herman's fixing to be fired here, but they're three plays away from being unbeaten. I mean, the TCU game, they fumble at the goal line. Oklahoma's a four-overtime game. Change one play, they win that. Iowa State, they led almost start to finish. Iowa State took its first lead with two minutes left to pull out that win. When I talked to Coach Sarkeesian, he told me the exact same thing. Phil, we were three plays from being 10-0 last year. I think we have the talent to compete. So that, that makes them dangerous when you have a first-year head coach that likes the talent. In the Big Ten, I think the biggest contender to Ohio State is probably Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin only averaged 3.9 yards per carry last year, which is atypical for them. They usually average five or six yards per carry. They didn't have the bell cow running back. But this year, they go from having one true freshman redshirt or true freshman uh, VHT running back and Jalen Berger to having four VHT running backs and VHT by the way is very highly touted Berger was my number 11 running back out of high school they had in Ches Maluzzi from Clemson uh, who is my number 15 rated running back out of high school Julius Davis didn't really see the field last year and Loyal Crawford is another guy coming in so they are loaded at the backfield. They've got the big offensive line. Graham Mertz started last year 20-21 versus Illinois and then tallied off as the season went on. I think he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He was my number four rated quarterback out of high school, and then defensively he'll be solid. But where Wisconsin and Iowa differ, I think their two talents are very close, is the schedule. Look at Wisconsin's road games. Minnesota. Rutgers, Purdue, and Illinois. All four had losing records last year. Their toughest game is Notre Dame. That's in Chicago. And they also play Penn State, but they get them at home and they get Iowa at home. So the schedule really sets up well for Wisconsin to be a player in the Big Ten this year. I know you've got Oklahoma as your overall number one here in the preseason, and then it's just the usual suspects. It's Clemson, it's Ohio State, it's Alabama. Is this getting boring for the rest of us, Phil, when it's always Bama, Clemson, and Ohio State, and then somebody else is in that Final Four? You know, I, I think, Mike, that's why they're going to the 12-team playoff is because what we've had the last four or five years, and they figure that's the only way to, to get things going in a different direction. And, you know, the interesting thing, uh, when I was talking to the coaches this year, most coaches said, uh, you know, in years past, Phil, we've entered the spring barely trying to cobble together a two-deep, and this year we three, we're three-deep. And they all acted like this is the first time I've heard it, but all the coaches are like that. Everybody's got 16, 17, 18, 19 returning starters coming back. But the champs, the, the four teams that were in a playoff last year, uh, they have got like 9, 10, 11 starters coming back, and all four lost their starting quarterback. Now, I do think they all replace them. They all do well. But one of the reasons I went with Oklahoma to win it all uh, is because they've entered this the playoffs three of the four years of Lincoln Riley. But they've exited the playoffs because they've allowed 54, 45, and 63 points Ooh, in those games. Man. Well, <laughs> Well, Spencer Rattler's back. Veteran quarterback should make the playoff. They've got number two running back core, best offensive line in the country. You know the offense will be potent. What Oklahoma brings to the table this year is the defense. They have a number three rated defensive line, number nine rated linebackers, and number three de defensive backs. 
they actually have my number five defense in the country. And you pair that with that offense, 15 returning starters, veteran quarterback. I think Oklahoma's got the talent and schedule to run the table this year and win the national title, provided they get past Iowa State there and, uh, towards the end of the season. Phil, it is always a pleasure having you on. I have uh, you bounced around with me from my time in Ann Arbor and to Milwaukee, and now here in Des Moines. I definitely appreciate you always answering the bell. We could do this for four hours, but I know your time is precious. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, Mike, when you were in Ann Arbor, did you ever think that there'd be the uh, you'd be in Iowa with better college football teams than what you had in Michigan? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> I, I am shocked. Uh, by all of that. Maybe we'll talk about Jim Harbaugh another time if we can get you on before the start of the season. But, Phil, I really appreciate you coming on again, my friend. Your magazine is my absolute favorite one to get ready for the college football season. We'll have to do it again. Always great talking to you, Mike. And one quick note, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million exclusively out there if you're heading out looking for the magazine. Always great talking to you, Mike. You too. Appreciate you having me on. Hey, thanks, Phil. Phil Steele joining us here on the line again. You can get his magazine. Go to philsteele.com. You can find out how to order it. I mean, it is the most information, jam-packed interview. Like, that guy is awesome. He lives, eats, breathes numbers, and it gets you ready for college football. It's only July. I know. I know. Coming up, we'll get to um, all kinds of stuff. We have to get to the NBA Finals. I'm sick of hearing about Aaron Rodgers already. And it's only July 9th. Uh, we got to talk about the spelling bee that happened yesterday and the controversy around the spelling bee. All that's still to come here on 1350 ESPN. You're listening to Wicket's World on Des Moines, 1350 ESPN. Thirteen fifty ESPN, it's Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Hopefully you're having yourself a good Friday. We've got Cubs and Cards coming your way about 12.45 for game one of that three-game series in St. Louis. Um, NBA Finals last night. Bucks lose to the Phoenix Suns, 118-108, to the final score. And if you watch that game and you see this NBA, the, the, the Milwaukee Bucks, you watch Giannis go absolutely bonkers yesterday. And yet still, it wasn't enough. Because Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton were miserable. Miserable for the Milwaukee Bucks. Drew Holiday was 7 of 21. Yeah, he scored 17. He had 7 assists. But how many shots? I mean, he was great on defense. But missed shot after shot after shot after shot. And Chris Middleton continues to be one of the most polarizing players in the history of the NBA. He can have a 23-point quarter or... Like last night, he can go 5 of 16 and score 11 points in 41 minutes. I don't understand it. I don't get it. And the Bucks are going to lose this series unless all of a sudden they can figure out a way to get consistent play out of their backcourt. Giannis had 42 and 12. Continued to struggle from the free throw line. Hit 11 but missed 7. And for whatever reason, shot five threes. Not terribly intelligent. There's a lot of stupid in this basketball team. And Charles Barkley has said it, and today on ESPN's Get Up, it was Kendrick Perkins who said this team is not terribly smart. Let's not overcomplicate this and make this simple, okay? The Milwaukee Bucks has the dumbest team in finals history, and the Phoenix Suns have the youngest team with the highest IQ in NBA history. I mean, well, damn. Look, look at these clips right here. 
10 million viewers, 20,000 fans knew that Giannis was going to take this charge. Chris Middleton pulls up in transition with 17 seconds on the shot clock. Look at this. Covington. Just a crazy pass. This is dumb, random, play freely, have fun basketball. This is the NBA Finals. Devin Booker had been hot, right? Look, in a crucial moment, right here, the Suns, this young core, running their sets, having patience, finding the mismatches, getting guys open. Look, right here, CP3, finding Devin Booker. This was a staggered screen ran by DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. On CP3, DeAndre Ayton rolled to the basket, took Drew Holiday with him, which sets up Devin Book on the second screen to get a wide-open three-point shot. These are, these are guys on this Phoenix Suns team that have zero playoff experience. When I say this, this is their first time, this is their first go-around in the playoffs, and they're out playing the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks play the most disturbing basketball in finals history. It's All right. Disturbing. Okay. All right. That's enough. All right. <laughs> Big Pete letting that one go on for a while. That's <laughs> how you started to smile. Listen, he's, he's Kendrick Perkins, who is, I think, a terrible analyst, mm-hmm. is actually spot on right there. Yeah. He, he's, he's, there's a lot of truth. I mean, it's, there's a lot of reasons why the Bucks are down 0-2 and, and haven't looked terribly competitive in the second half of games. Mm-hmm. One of those reasons is exactly what Kendrick Perkins is saying there on ESPN. It's the fact that the Bucks play pretty stupid. Um, they rush things. This is the finals. You need to be patient. They rush things. They're missing horrendous shots. They throw unnecessary alley-oops. They forget that Devin Booker is potentially the most underrated star in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Devin Booker is great. If you watch basketball, you know Devin Booker is great. The Suns are a really good team. At their best, I think the Bucks are better than the Suns are at their best. But that would mean that Milwaukee wouldn't shoot 9 for 31 from 3. Giannis and Dedekumbo is a force, and I have spoken about Giannis at length. So I don't want to, if you want to grab the podcast, ESPNDesMoines.com, I've talked about Giannis's limitations and what is going to hold him back from maybe claiming a title ever in his career. But 1 of 5 from 3. See, again, what happens when Giannis is standing behind the three-point line is pretty simple. The other team's like, go ahead. It's yours. You want to take that three? You take that three. You do whatever the hell you want. We know you're not going to make it. And if you do, great. Because if you do, that means you're going to shoot five more. And the odds are you're not going to make any of those. So they give him the three. And they don't even care if he makes the three. Because if he does, it just opens the door for Giannis to shoot other 27-foot jumpers. Go right ahead, Giannis. We know you suck from 10 feet out at the free throw line. Lord knows we, we're going to give you anything from 20-plus feet. You do whatever you got to do. And when he misses the three and it goes the other way and, and the Bucks give up, just get the stat right, 20 made threes by Phoenix yesterday, that's a six-point swing. So let's say they're down two. You went from down two to all of a sudden down eight. And then all of a sudden, you know, another missed basket here, another turnover there. Now it's a double-digit lead, and now that place is rocking and rolling. Kendrick Perkins is often wrong, but he's not wrong this time. The Bucks' basketball IQ is low as a team. They play wild. They don't play. I mean, you, we've seen Mike Budenholzer in the locker room play random, play random. How about play structured? How about run some offense? How about don't stand around when Giannis 
is, has got the basketball and, and you do nothing. How about running plays for a cutting Giannis or a drive and kick? And it would be nice if other guys actually hit shots from the outside. Chris Middleton has paid $35 million a year to hit outside shots. He was one of six yesterday. He's been a no-show. Drew Holiday has been pretty much a no-show for this basketball team in the last two games, the first two of the NBA Finals. By the way, um, the Bucks' last two wins in the playoffs have been without Giannis. I'm not saying they're better without Giannis, but it is an interesting stat people are throwing around. Meanwhile, on the other side, you've got the point god in Chris Paul who is doing anything he wants. It's like he's directing a symphony and everybody gets in line. Everyone follows Chris Paul's lead. You have the superstar in Devin Booker. He had 31 last night. He had seven threes. You've got DeAndre Ayton, who's a rebounding monster down low. Only scored 10 last night, grabbed 11 rebounds. You've got Mikael Bridges, who, has, who had the half of his life yesterday. And the Bucks don't seem to know what to do with Phoenix. Because it's pick your poison. You fight over the screen. You, you D up Chris Paul when he goes in the paint. You double and protect the rim. And he kicks out to Devin Booker or Bridges or any of these guys. And what do they do? They knock down a three. They don't seem to miss. Phoenix doesn't seem to miss anything. <laughs> they hit everything. I was a little more vulgar on Twitter. I had some beers. But they don't miss. They hit everything that they put up yesterday, seemingly. And Milwaukee doesn't have an answer. And when two of your starters are, are, are bad, your starting backcourt is bad, you don't have much of an answer. Especially once you get down. Like I said, that Giannis missed three. It was a, a three-point game. It goes the other way. It's six. It's nine. It's ten. And all of a sudden, you're pushing the boulder back up. And you can't get it up over the hill because you, dig, you dug yourself too far of, of a grave. They go back to Milwaukee. Will they get a win? I don't know. We'll see. I, I have no idea. The game one, the story was Milwaukee had 19 missed shots in the paint. 19 which is horrendous. The story of game, and the whistle was definitely not even, but I don't blame referees. You have to overcome that. But the 19 missed shots in the paint in game one, nine for 31 from three, and Chris Middleton, your, your Robin to Giannis, who had a Batman-like game. He was tremendous when he wasn't playing stupid. Your Batman, I'm sorry, your Robin can't go one for six from three. You, it just, it's, it's the way. As for Phoenix, what do they got to do? Keep doing what they're doing. Monty Williams is out coaching Mike Budenholzer left and right. Everything they're doing, screens, slip screens, double screens, everything they're doing is working because Milwaukee has no answer for it. And Milwaukee, like Kendrick Perkins said, plays dumb. And they are playing dumb. Coming up, something else that is really, really dumb in my world. I am so sick and tired of all the talk of Aaron Rodgers. And I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. We're on that next. Phone lines are open. 515-244-1350. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. Thirteen fifty ESPN. This is Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket here in Des Moines. Cubs baseball coming your way in ten minutes. Was that right, Pete? Something like that. Something like that. Something All like right. that. Coverage of game one. <laughs> Cardinals and Cubs coming up uh, with Pat and Ron right here on 1350 ESPN. So, 
I want to get to the spelling bee stuff, mm -hmm. but I, I have to. If you before the show, yeah, Pete and I were sitting sitting in here and listening to Barton Hahn here on thirteen fifty ESPN. And they were talking about Aaron Rodgers. They're talking about Jordan Love. You get on Twitter. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers. Everybody's got a hot take. Everybody's talking about Aaron and the, the games he's playing and the match and all this stuff. I love the Green Bay Packers. I know Aaron Rodgers gives them the best opportunity for a Super Bowl. I'm very aware of that. Um, but I am sick and tired of everyone having all these hot takes about Aaron Rodgers. I have no idea if Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. I believe he will. I have said all along that the Packers hold all the leverage. Um, do you want to come back and win? Do you want to come back and do this? Do you want to come back and play? It's up to you. You have a locker. The team is yours. Everybody knows it. Everyone needs to shut up about Aaron Rodgers. No, more, more. No. no. <laughs> Everyone needs to shut up about Aaron Rodgers until we get to training camp. And when we get to training camp, we are going to know. And maybe when we get halfway through training camp, we're going to know. And I understand that ESPN Radio and CBS Sports Radio and Fox Sports Radio and Colin Cowherd and First Take and Get Up and all the shows, I understand they need something to talk about. I get that. But I am so sick and tired of everyone saying, Aaron has to do this, or the Packers have to do this, or they should trade him and do this. Nothing needs to happen. What a boring sports talk conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing needs to happen from now until two weeks into training camp. Aaron can go to Hawaii with Shailene Woodley. Aaron can go play in a golf match with Tom Brady. Aaron can go, he's going to go to Lake Tahoe with Charles Barkley next week. Aaron can sit in his $29 million Malibu home and do whatever. Nothing has to happen right now. And people who are complaining are driving me insane. It's, it's, it's every, nothing new has happened. We don't know anything. Nothing new has happened. Nothing new is going to happen until it does. I just, these, these hosts, these clickbait articles, everything everybody is saying about Aaron Rodgers is moot. Nothing matters. We haven't heard from Aaron other than him trying to weasel out of answers when Brian Anderson was interviewing him in a golf cart. Uh, you know, he did the preview conversation with Tom Brady before, and he was talking about his mental health, and we'll see. Like, I, I want him back. As a Packers fan, I want him back. I think if you're a football fan, you want him back. Um, but I, I, I am as patient a person as there is, and I will wait and see. And I heard Bart Scott, before we got on the air, talking about how bad Jordan Love is. They don't know if Jordan Love is any good. And for people who don't remember, and I was there, because I was covering the Green Bay Packers at this time, Aaron Rodgers sucked. Aaron Rodgers wasn't any good. And Packers fans were livid. How can you move on from a quarterback like Brett Favre? How can you get rid of the MVP? How can you get rid of the three-time National Football League MVP for this kid? We're having that same conversation right now. Aaron Rodgers didn't come out of Cal and become one of the great quarterbacks in the history of the NFL like that. Now, I don't think Jordan Love is going to be one of the great quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. 
but I have no idea how good Aaron Rodgers, I'm sorry, I have no idea how good Jordan Love is going to be. So for people to come on the air, national radio hosts, and say, he's been bad, he's been brutal, he's been terrible. He didn't have a camp last year because of COVID. He didn't have an off-season program because of COVID. Tim Boyle was the backup, which was fine. Like, we don't have, that's another thing, we don't have any patience whatsoever in, in sports anymore. Because LeBron James came out and was great as a rookie. Because Patrick Mahomes, he sat for a year, he was great as a rookie. Because Justin Herbert has been great as a rookie. Because certain guys come in and immediately they're great. Not everybody is able to just jump in and be great when they're thrown into the fire. Aaron Rodgers didn't start until game 39 of his career. Wow. 39. I mean, Favre was the man. Barb's best year as a Packer was arguably his last year as a Packer before he got traded to the New York Jets. And then he wound up in Minnesota and maybe had the best year he's ever had when he was in Minnesota. But the point is, we have so little patience. Everybody is screaming about Rodgers has to make a decision. Rodgers does have to make a decision. What's going on right now? It's July 9th. Nothing has to happen for three weeks. So get ready for three more weeks of Doug Gottlieb telling you this is childish or Chris Broussard and Rod, Rob Parker telling you it's childish or Max Kellerman telling you it's childish and he needs to make a decision. No, he doesn't have to do anything for three weeks. Jordan Love is going to prepare. Brian Gudikins is going to talk. Matt LaFleur is going to prepare. Devontae Adams is going to prepare. I know his contract is probably linked to Aaron. He's got another year left on his deal. Like, nothing has to happen right now. It's driving me nuts. Ah, calm. Why don't we relax and talk a little spelling bee? Let's talk some spelling bee. Spelling bee. Did you see this girl yesterday? Zalia Avant-Garde is her name. I'm going to be honest. I did not know the spelling bee was happening until this morning. Zalia Avant-Garde won the spelling bee by doing this last night. Maria. M-U-R-R-A-Y-A. That is correct. Maria. You know what Maria is? No. I didn't either. It's a plant. Oh. <laughs> it is a plant from the citrus family. It's in Asia, Australia, and the Pacific Islands. And that woman, that young lady, she's 14 years old. She owns three, three Guinness Book of World Records for dribbling basketballs, various records. She is the highest-ranked 8th-grade girls basketball player in the country. Wow. Her mixtape is ridiculous. When you're bored this weekend, look up Zalia Avant-Garde because she's got a handle. She's got a left and a right. She can shoot. That girl is going to be something. She just took up competitive spelling two years ago. Do you know her father, her real last name, her original last name was Heard. Her father changed it in honor of, um, oh, man, I just had it. John Coltrane, the great musician. Oh. It's great. Her background, she's more interesting than I am, and she's 14 years old. <laughs> she's more interesting than most people in the country, and she's 14 years old. And she became the, uh, the winner, the first black uh, winner of the Spelling Bee, which is really an accomplishment and the first from Louisiana, but it wasn't without controversy. Do I have time to play this other piece? Or I don't think we will. We're not going to have time. Another kid spelled a word. And he spelled it incorrectly. He put a uh, an I where there's supposed to be a Y or vice versa. They told him he spelled it right. 
They went to the replay. I've seen replay in basketball. They I've went under re- further review. They went. They basically they like went under the hood. Yeah. Spell. They told him he spelled it wrong. Wow. And the kid said, "Okay." <laughs> he said, "Thanks." I don't know if that would have been my response. I know, but the kid's like, cool, all right, I'll I'll go play video games, bye. (laughs) Uh, My thanks to Phil Steele for joining me on the show today. PhilSteele.com, best college football preview magazine out there. You can podcast anything you may have missed over at ESPNDesMoines.com. Thanks to Big Pete. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to you for watching on the Facebook page. Coming up, Cubs and Cards, game one of a three-game series right here on 1350 ESPN. Have yourself a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.